Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 202nd episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds podcast. In this mini-series, we're talking about friendship and mental health. And to join me today are authors Christine Pride and Joe Piazza, whose new book, You Are Always Mine, is due for release this month. And it covers the topic of an interracial friendship dynamic. Christine Pride is a longtime publishing veteran, having worked with a variety of established and debut writers and published many New York Times bestsellers over her editorial career. In addition to now writing novels and select teaching and coaching, Christine pens a regular column, Race Matters, for Cup of Joe. Joe Piazza is an award-winning journalist and editor who has written for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Glamour and Elle, the best-selling author of The Knockoff, How to Be Married, Fitness Junkie and Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. She currently lives in Philadelphia with her husband and three children. So Christine and Joe, a huge welcome to the show. Oh, we're so Hi. happy to be here. We're That's so happy to be here. Oh, no, it's brilliant. And um, I just read out your bios and, of course, mentioned your book that's going to be released in the UK on the 20th of July. You were always mine. But can you tell the listeners what you're working on at the moment? Maybe there's a there's a there's something special. Maybe there's another book in progress. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you were always mine. Um, Our new novel is really our focus right now, uh, because we're as we're we're talking, we're about to go on tour through the United States for this book. So we're doing all of the interviews, the TV, the podcasts, and we get to hit the road together, which I think is a really special time for our friendship when we get to go on book tour together because we we get to enjoy it and live it up in, in cities all around the country. That sounds hugely exciting, especially as the States is so vast. So I'm sure that <laughs> it's going to be grueling uh, for you, but you get to have fun along the way. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, we and also, this is the best part, right? You, you We're just like Joe and I talking and writing and, you know, in a Google Doc. And then the book comes out and you actually get to go talk to readers and, you know, um, have these events and connect with people. And that's so much a part of why we do this, to be able to, um, you know, have these kind of conversations um, and eat good food on the road. So we're excited to do both. <laughs> oh, amazing. And so how did you both become authors and how did you end up writing together as friends? Well, I have been writing books for, I guess, about a little over 10 years now, which is crazy to me. I was a journalist for a long time um, and still am sometimes. Uh, and Christine was actually my editor on my last solo novel, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, which is about a woman running for office here in the States. And we became very close. And Christine's been an editor for a, a long time at various publishing houses here in the US. And that we knew we wanted to work on a project together. And that's how we started our co-writing journey together with our first book, We Are Not Like Them, and now with uh, You Were Always Mine. Yeah. And for my part, you know, I've spent my entire career as a book editor. Um, that's, you know, is behind the scenes sort of helping uh, authors and writers usher their projects uh, into the world, which I love doing. And so it was a little bit of a career pivot for me um, when Joe and I started writing books together. Uh, we Are Not Like Them, our first book was actually my first book. Um, and so it's just been an interesting 
obviously turn of events um, and one of those things where, you know, kind of life unfolds in the way it should, but in the way you least suspect, right? Like Joe and I met and hit it off and I hadn't thought of writing a book and then we did and then it was a success and we're doing it again and, you know, it just built on each other. But um, so, like I said, unexpected, but a lot of fun uh, and I, I wouldn't be anywhere but here right now. Oh, that's really, really lovely to hear. And on that, then, what does the term friendship mean to you? And how does it support your mental well-being in the publishing and writing process? So small question there for you both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not a big question at all. No, I mean, for both of us, I think that friendship is the backbone of our lives. Uh, Our first book, We Are Not Like Them, explored friendship, a really intense interracial friendship, and those two women confronting race and social justice issues in their lives. And, you know, for us, we see so many books that are written about romantic love that don't talk nearly enough about the friends who have supported us for our whole lives. So both of us are deeply loyal friends, you know, to all of the other women, um, and some men in our lives, uh, and then also to each other. And I think that our friendship informs the writing of our books uh, in a lot of ways. I think it makes it a much more intimate story because we can both bring our own stories to the table. In this case, with the new one, With You Were Always Mine, we had two very different perspectives on motherhood. The book is about motherhood. And Christine is child-free by choice. I have been making three kids for the past six years since we've been working together. And we got to have these really deep and intimate conversations both you know just as friends that also then made it into our work uh and I think that's a really beautiful thing that you know people who aren't collaborating in their novels don't often get to have I agree with that it just to to add I think it it's it's hard work right like writing a book is is turns out very hard um and uh, you know, even the publicity process, and and as we mentioned, going on tour, I mean, we're so excited to do it, but it's also, you know, work and, and daunting and putting yourself out there and, um, you know, self-promotion and all that. And it's, it is nice to do that with a friend, right? To like have that support network and emotional support when, uh, you know, you're looking at your, uh, somebody who says something unkind in a Goodreads review, right? Or Which happens. happens. Which happens. Yeah. You know, you're so tired at the end of an event and you just need a granola bar and somebody can, you know, (laughs) anticipate that. So those little, um, you know, touchstones of support really mean a lot too. And I think it's really helpful you've mentioned the dynamic of friendship and motherhood, actually, because this is something that I feel we don't talk about enough in the global north. And I think, um, Christine, like you, I'm child free by choice. I'm really happy with my choice. I'm really empowered by my choice. Um, But the way that we're looked at um, and the way that friendship changes and friendships change and being called selfish. And I've, I've kind of thought about this a lot. And I've thought about the fact that society feel that women who choose to be child-free by choice are selfish because we're living our life in the way that we want to and actually not the way society have uh, dictated to us a lot of the time um so how have you yeah how do you nav what's your thoughts on navigating friendships that change due to motherhood um and you know there's a whole well-being element to that as well so yeah I'd really love to hear your thoughts on that totally and amen to all that you said I think it's And this is one of the themes that our novel explores too. It's really hard in society when, you know, you're sort of 
off whatever society has deemed the best, you know, most virtuous and conventional path, which, you know, in, in, in our world is really motherhood. And so not doing that is a choice that is judged, but it also leaves you a little bit um, you know, out feeling a little bit outside of these main conversations, right, around motherhood and 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 womanhood. Um, and you know, in, in my late twenties, early thirties, when people were starting to have kids, when my friends are starting to have kids, um, I worried about that a lot. I mean, I think you worry about that anyway, um, whether you have kids or not, how your friendships are going to change by your own, um, you know, life developments. Um, but in particular, I did worry that it was going to create kind of a, a chasm between, um, you know, my close friends and I, in terms of they're having a relationship or a, a scenario that, you know, I don't understand and I'm not a part of, um, and so much bonding happens around motherhood, right. And being in the trenches. Um, but I'm happy to say that really didn't come to be, um, I mean, when my friends had young kids, I think the biggest challenge was obviously people get so busy and so consumed logistically and emotionally with young children. And so it's hard to invest the same level in friendships. Um, but, you know, I had decided that I was just going to cut people a lot of slack for that. I mean, did some relationships inevitably and maybe even permanently change because of that? Maybe, but for the majority of my close friendships, we were able to navigate that terrain and a lot of it also is because of respect for choices like my close friends respect the fact that I've made a different choice sometimes I think they're even secretly a little bit jealous of it um and I respect genuinely and wholeheartedly their choices and so um I, I think that is is such a big factor in terms of you know maintaining the same level of of friendships despite our choices Mm, thank you, Christine. Anything from you, Joe? Yeah, I have to say, I think that everything Christine said is spot on when it comes to navigating friendships and motherhood. It gets really fraught sometimes. Um, I had kids late, so all of my kids, all of my friends had children before I did. Uh, and I felt a real loss <clears throat> because it was something I wasn't participating in. But then I realized that for me, it was, that was all on me. Um, you know, I was the one that was choosing that. I was the one choosing not to participate um, and not to, not to reach out because of my own baggage and crap. Um, and then once I, once I had kids, I think I began to appreciate my friendships with both mothers and non-mothers even more because I want someone that I can talk to where I don't have to hear about children ever at all like there's no like, there's no mention of a child a child's not going to run into the room I need those spaces outside of motherhood and I don't I I often think that in culture and in media mothers and women who are child free are often pitted against each other and one of the things that Christine and I realized while writing you were always mine is that that's bullshit um you know there's a lot of myths that everyone has about both mothers and about child-free women and we realized that you know obviously we have so much more in common than not in common and that I think there's there's a false narrative there pitting these two groups of women together when honestly we're so similar and we also just want to be together we just want to we just want the same things except for one thing 
kids, <laughs> which I get. I understand. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because, I mean, just to piggyback off that again, you know, I think it's also like the aspect of, of, of there are certain aspects of people's lives, our friends' lives, and, you know, even when it comes to motherhood that we may, um, you know, be jealous of, as, you know, I mentioned earlier, but it, it's, it's, so somebody might say, oh, I wish, you know, I had more free time like you, child free time, or Joe said, you know, where you have a space where you're not thinking about your kids, or I might think, you know, it is actually really nice to be lockstep with kind of social trends, right, and and participate in some of these bigger conversations. So, I mean, I just add that to say, I don't think it's like an all or nothing proposition in terms of like everything about motherhood or having kids is one thing or the other. There are just, it's like any decision you make in your life, there are going to be aspects of it that, um, you know, you may still wish you had. Um, and that's just human nature. And that's just going to be a part of, you know, living life. And I'm so pleased you both mentioned that point about pitting women against each other, because absolutely that happens. Like, are you in, are you in the in-group? Are you in what society says? Are you out? So, yeah, I mean, I also wanted to pick up on the other aspect in your book. So there's motherhood and there's the uh, interracial element of it and, uh, and cross-cultural as well. So there's interracial and there's cross-cultural and they're two slightly different things. And I just wondered like, what your thoughts were at the moment. And of course, it depends on the state. It depends on people. It depends on individuals. But, um, you know, there's... Britain's very, very small. So, you know, we're not, we still have to have these dialogues. And I don't think we're there in terms of interracial cross-cultural friendships at all. I think the, the gap's gotten wider. But I wonder if you had any thoughts about that kind of the reference point and interracial friendships, motherhood, that kind of discussion, where it's all sitting at the moment. And you might want to focus on your particular area where you live or your state. But yeah, just really would love to hear that from you. Well, you know, one of the statistics that we said a lot when we were working on our first book we are not like them is and I always get this number wrong I'm going to need Christine to chime in but that is it 75 percent Christine uh 90 percent actually it's higher 90 percent 90 percent of white people don't have a close friend of another race and I think that was just in the states but um I imagine it it may also track over in yeah I would imagine yeah yeah over in the UK and we would throw that out in interviews and in book club discussions and people are, it's a high number. So people are shocked, but then we're like, think about your friend group. And then also here's a little exercise, go out. Like when you're out in the world, when you're at a restaurant, when you're walking down the street, how many interracial friend pairings do you see? And once you think about that, you can't unsee it. Um, you know, people do tend to make friends who are similar to them because it is often in lots of ways, right? Mothers tend to be friends with other mothers, sometimes because it's easier for them. And we discovered that uh, in talking about our first book and the second book in You Were Always Mine, there's a second interracial friendship between a black woman named Cinnamon and a white woman named Daisy. And it's not just interracial, it's also intergenerational, uh, which I think is really, really important and also something we don't see nearly enough um christine is my my first close friend uh who is a black woman and i have a lot of work friends and acquaintances but christine for her part as a black woman has a lot of friendships of people with uh, with other races and so we were bringing those two very different perspectives to both of these books and i think even in the case of daisy and cinnamon our two characters and um you were always mine 
cinnamon is a black woman, Daisy is a white woman. Um, and as Joe mentioned, they, um, you know, are maybe 15 years apart or so in age, but they have this, this, you know, real unlikely connection and, you know, are kindred spirits in a lot of ways because of their backgrounds and, you know, some experiences they've had. And we are really interested in this idea of, you know, what brings us together across cultural or racial lines, right? What are these points of connection? And in particularly for these two women who otherwise might not have met, um, you know, society wouldn't bring them together. Um, they certainly wouldn't be necessarily sharing such an intimate experience and situation together, um, you know, in terms of custody of a child. And so, you know, how does that come to be? And what does that tell us about the social connections that we make? And what does that force readers or inspire, we hope readers to think about um, in terms of why they have made connections with people and who they've made connections um, with and why. Mm, yeah, thank you. That's really, really helpful. I think there are some some um, stats that go across the UK, but I don't know what they are, but I remember having lots of discussions about this, um, particularly in 2020. Um, so thinking about those friendships then, and one of the things I talked about in my episode last week was about, uh, you know, friendship and mental health and well-being overall, and the friendship breakup, <laughs> which I think actually for me is definitely way more painful than a romantic relationship breakup. And you talk about that, you know, Joe, you said there's so much about romantic love, but we wanted to explore these other ways of love in the book, which I think is beautiful. Um, so what would be your uh, tips around uh, friendship breakup? Uh, well-being like how could you look after yourself when you have a friendship blip or a friendship breakup because it is incredibly painful oh it's so hard um oh so so hard I mean just as hard as a um you know romantic breakup and in a lot of ways I think even harder because romantic breakups have all these rituals around them <laughs> and movies and eating the ice cream and everybody you know rallying around you and we just don't have the same language or rituals or you know even um even taking it as seriously as a romantic breakup. Um, and so I think that's part of what can make it feel more isolating and lonely. And I think one of the, one of the ways to combat that is just really acknowledge how, how important it is, how tragic it is, how sad it is, um, you know, to lose a friend and, and just recognizing that and acknowledging it, um, I think really helps, um, you know, it's, it's like you have a, a right to feel so emotional and heartbroken. And sometimes women especially need that permission. Um, I mean, we shouldn't, but sometimes it just helps to say, yes, you know, your emotions are, are well-founded and, you know, I see you and I support you. Um, and then, you know, I think time, which is like so cliche. Um, I mean, I'm just applying this to myself personally that I had a terrible friendship breakup in my early 20s. Um, and, you know, it took me a long time to get over it. Um, you know, and it's it's really kind of ironic how similar it is to a romantic breakup in that way. Like they're all the stages of grief, I guess. Um, and for me, you know, I found it was similar. And as they tell you in romantic relationships, you know, time heals all wounds. Um, I, I think that's the case too with, with friendships. Thanks, Christine. Joe, your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I think they're really complicated, right? And as Christine said, because we talk about, I mean, 
like ad nauseum romantic comedies and chiclet talk about romantic breakups like there's templates for that there's roadmaps for that um you you kind of know how you're supposed to feel but we don't see that for for friendship breakups and i do also believe that they're also a lot more devastating than romantic breakups a lot of the time and it's actually really interesting because in the beginning of our new book in the beginning of you were always mine cinnamon and daisy have been friends and their their friendship uh was unexpected they meet like once a week on this park bench and and they talk it's very tuesdays with maury um to use an old reference and one day daisy disappears she just cinnamon thinks she's just ghosting her and i think cinnamon in the book in you were always mine goes through all of those complex emotions like did she ghost me is it okay for me to feel bad about this like what how should i feel and she feels a little ashamed a little embarrassed she doesn't want to bring it up to anyone else in her life and like that i don't think that's something we see often in in literature we don't see those kinds of complex emotions around what to do when a friend goes away and i'm glad i'm i'm really glad that we got to bring that to the page yeah i think that's lovely apart from you know the sweet valley high uh, and mean girls but we know that actually there's so much more especially in adult friendship so yeah thank you so much for that um and then I ask all my guests this and you're incredibly busy women you write books you have editing careers you do so much and you're going on a book tour so how do you look after your own mental health and sometimes these are not easy topics to talk about so would you like to share your top three tips each that you uh, have that you'd like to share with listeners around looking after your mental well-being yeah, I mean, I try to make this going out on, on book tour uh, is something that I, and trying to take care of myself is something I think about a lot because it is work and I, but I always try to reframe it. I'm like, I get to go essentially on a trip with one of my girlfriends to all of these cities where we all know some, we know people and we get to see them and we get to see fans. And I think it's just remembering to, like amidst the busyness to be very grateful for that that this is something fun and this is something exciting um and then I also make sure I get a ton of I get a ton of sleep I, I extricate myself from because it's like you have a party every night right but if you have a party every night you're going to turn into like you know, Lindsay Lohan so you have to be like I've got to put myself to bed at 10 o'clock I also like can't eat all of the disgusting food just because I'm on the road because I'm on the road for 10 days um and you know what I do have to make sure that I get outside and get like a half an hour of exercise every day and it's just kind of protecting yourself and knowing those things that you need to do to maintain your mental health uh that uh, that I didn't know for a long time in my 20s I was a travel journalist so I traveled constantly and I feel like I didn't protect my mental health nearly as much as I needed to but now that I'm um a woman in the midst of middle age uh I've, I've, I've got my stuff got my stuff I have to do I yeah, hear I you Joe. I am too sorry Christine <laughs> I, know, I was just gonna say the same thing a woman in the midst of middle age I, I like that sounds very poetic um and and you know mine are similar I really I, I think as you get older being women in the middle of middle age um you you do take all of your health more seriously right like the same way you know my like physical health you know is just like I have to think about it more than I did in my 20s um and be more thoughtful about it um and so 
for me, I, you know, some overlap with Jill, like I really try to work out. Um, that's really important to me, um, both, you know, physically, but also as a stress reliever, um, it's like sort of the more intense and ridiculous the workout, the better. Uh, so I really try to carve out time for that. And then, you know, my friends are really a, a, a huge emotional support to me. Um, and so really staying connected, touching base, um, celebrating with them, having deep conversations, being open about if I'm stressed or, you know, anxious or excited or what have you, um, just like being able to have an outlet to let all those emotions <laughs> that are cycling throughout, um, you know, really, really helps me and to feel their love and support, you know, means a lot to me. So those would be my two main ones. I have to come up with a third one. I'll, I'll add it to the chat. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. And of course, if people want to know more about you, your work, um, how should they contact you? I will, of course, include the links in the show notes, but anything you would like to share with listeners now about getting in touch with you and uh, yeah, how you like to be contacted. Yeah. So, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, Instagram remains the best way to get in touch with me. I say unfortunately, because I for my own mental health, I kind of hate social media, but it also makes it easy to reach readers. And that's what we want to do. So I'm at, at Joe Piazza author. And I also just launched a Substack called Over the Influence with Joe Piazza. Um, and so I, I still haven't figured out an easy way for people to find those, but I guess if you go on Substack and put my name in, it should be there. But we post all of our stuff and behind the scenes fun tour stuff on Instagram. So that really is the best place to find us. Yeah, same. I the social media, just Instagram is the only platform I'm on and I'm at C Pride. Um, but we do, we love to hear from readers and we love to hear from people. We love questions. Um, so, you know, please, everybody, you know, don't hesitate uh, to reach out. Do people still say slip into the DMs? Is that, is that a thing? Slide into the DMs <laughs> is what it was. I don't think it was slide into the DMs. Uh, that's very, uh, uh, exactly. Spoken as a person in the, in the midst of middle age. In the midst of, no, in the, just in the midst of life. In the midst of life. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time in, you know, joining from the States. Thank goodness you're East Coast. Um, really, really appreciate it. I know the listeners are going to get so much out of this. I can't thank you enough. It's been an absolute joy to have you on the show. Um, and yeah, I wish you all the best. And please keep in touch with us and let us know how it all goes. We Thanks will. So much, Leila. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Take care, both of you. And listeners, uh, we will see you in the next episode where, of course, we're approaching the four-year landmark. So do stay tuned. Until then, everyone, take care. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.